battle, nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered. pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. A pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Here we go on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Welcome in, welcome aboard. Seth Goldberg with you here on ESPN Radio. Steve is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. We got so much to get to. Let's talk some Syracuse football. 315-437-7644. The phone number, the text line, 288-0644. Syracuse and Wagner this weekend. Not much you can get out of that. Not much you can take out of that. What do you want to see? That's the question I'll pose to start things off. Also, Eric Dungy shooting up the uh, uh, recognition list, let's call it. Getting more and more of that. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit as well. Nate Mink coming up at 1230. We'll talk with him about Eric Dungy, about this weekend. But also he wrote about Coda Martin, the new offensive tackle for the Syracuse Orange. We'll talk to him about that, how Coda Martin ended up here, why it was important for him to get here, and obviously the family ties uh, between Coda Martin and Dino Babers, the head coach. Also, later on in the show, I I want to get to this because it's it's something that we kind of sort of hit on yesterday, but um, Rick Pitino is on the the comeback tour, and and there's just there's just nothing I could possibly care less about. There's there's just just nothing, nothing I could care less about. So we'll talk about that coming up in about an hour from now. But as I mentioned, let's start with Syracuse football. Let's start with the Syracuse Orange. Let's turn the page from last Friday night's game and move forward to this Saturday because we're not going to get much out of this Saturday. This is a glorified scrimmage. This is a a game that Syracuse should win going away, a game that Tommy DeVito should get a whole boatload of snaps, a game that you should be getting your second team and probably your third team into this game because it's Wagner, because it's the FCS Because this is a team that you should just smash and destroy and run through like it's nothing. And I expect that Syracuse will. So what do you really want to see? What do you want to see out of this team? And and what can you legitimately take away? Because that's always the problem that I have when you play these games. There's not much that you can look at. There's not much that you can watch against just, quite honestly inferior competition and say, hey, Syracuse did that well. Because you start playing that game and all of a sudden you're saying, oh, well, hey, look how much better the offensive line looked. Look how much better the secondary looked. Without taking into account 
the guys and the competition and the athletes that they were going up against. There's a reason why I like this game. There's a reason why I like this game as the first game of a season. Not as a second game of a season. This is the kind of game that makes perfect sense for Friday night in the Dome, Labor Day weekend, Saturday afternoon in the Dome, Labor Day weekend. You get that one game out of the way, you knock the rust off, you see what you can do, you see what you have, you make sure everybody gets out there, gets their legs under them, stays healthy, you get off the field, and you move on to week two, probably against somebody like Western Michigan. Except we had it backwards this year. To me, playing this game week two doesn't do you much of any good. Because you're going to go out there and you're going to smash them. You're going to go out there and you are just supposed to beat up on them. There's nothing else you are supposed to do other than knock the stuffing out of Wagner. You're supposed to win. You're supposed to win going away. You're not supposed to allow them to score. There's not supposed to be anything there. So to me, playing this game week two doesn't really do much for me. The thing that I look for, if there's something I'm looking for, is for nobody to get hurt. Don't do anything stupid. Don't go punching people. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into a close game. And get out of there healthy. Because realistically, Eric Dungy should look fantastic. And so should Tommy DeVito. And so should Rex Culpepper. They should all look great. The secondary's issues should be fixed. Scoop Bradshaw should look a lot better. Andre Sisko, while still a freshman, shouldn't have the issues that he may have had last week. It's a game that is very easy to gloss over. It's a game that, quite frankly, I I think I would gloss over. And it's a game that I look at, and I'm going to sit here on, you know, Saturday night after the game. I'm going to sit here on Monday next week. And and just say, I don't I don't really know what we got out of that. I don't really know the point of that game. Now something crazy could happen. Your starting quarterback could punch somebody, you can get sucked into a close game, and your punter all of a sudden is throwing the game winning touchdown pass. We've seen that story before against an FCS team. But that's the horror story. That's the thing you don't want to happen. That's the thing that, quite frankly, you are trying your hardest to avoid. What you want, what you're hoping for, is get in, get out. You want to see your running backs go for 100 yards. You want to see... Your quarterback's comfortable in the pocket. You want to see 
your offensive and defensive lines just manhandling people at the point of attack. You want to see your receivers using their physicality. You want to see your team beat the other one. You want to see Syracuse just straight up beat Wagner. And it shouldn't really be all that close. Now, as far as specifics, as far as, hey, here are a couple things that I want to see that I think that would actually prove a point, would actually be something tangible. And there's not much. Because, again, Mo Neal, Dante Strickland, they run for a bunch of yards. All right, look at who they were running against. Scoop Bradshaw looks a whole lot better. All right, we'll look at who he's covering. So I think you've got to go down to a smaller level of things that you want to try and figure out. And to that end, I turn to the receivers. Not necessarily who's going to step up. Not necessarily who is going to have a big game. Because you expect, for the most part, you expect people to have a big game against Wagner. You expect Jamal Custis to catch his passes. You expect Ravian Pierce to catch his passes. You expect, and here's the thing, you expect Devin Butler to catch his passes. And so I think that when you're looking for specific things for this team to do, you're looking for something specific like that. You're looking for Devin Butler to catch his passes, Sean Riley to catch his passes, guys to make the plays that they didn't make last week. And I'm not saying make the extraordinary play. Make the play that you're expected to make. The play that you should have made last weekend that you didn't make. Make that play this week. When you're going up against lesser competition, make that play. Running backs. Hit that hole that you didn't hit. I think that's the kind of thing that you have to look at. That's the kind of thing that you have to expect. Because quite frankly, you're going to overpower them. You're going to out-athlete them. If if Eric Dungey wanted to, I bet he could run for 300 yards in this game. Because he's just that much better an athlete than everybody else on the field. So I think that's got to be the kind of thing you're looking for. Do exactly what's expected of you. That play that you're expected to make, that we didn't see you make in week one, make it in week two, because you're playing somebody worse. Look, I said this off the start of this. This is a game that doesn't do much for me. I don't think this is an interesting game. I don't think there's anything that you can really learn. I don't think that this is a game that is worth playing in week two of a season, if for any other reason than picking up a win and being one step closer to six. This is a game that, to me, is worthwhile week one. And it's not all that worth it in week two. Doesn't teach you anything. Doesn't show you anything. Doesn't present you with any kind of adversity. The only thing it does is it lets you shake out the rust, shake out the cobwebs. And if you want that, Just do it game one. 
I totally understand why teams schedule cupcakes the first week of the season. Makes complete sense to me. Schedule the cupcake, you get that preseason game that you don't really get in the end, in, in college football. That the NFL teams get that you don't. I, I don't know that it's worthwhile in week two. And I'm just not sure what we're going to be sitting here on Monday saying, hey, I, I learned that. Hey, I saw that this week and I thought that looked good. Like Alton Robinson should dominate this line. McKinley Williams, Chris Slayton, Kendall Coleman. They all should. They should dominate up front. Cody Martin. Cody Conway. Those guys should be pushing people around. Aaron Service should be pushing people around up front. That's just the nature of the beast when you face an FCS team. Let's head to the phones, 315-437-7644. What you guys want to see out of this game against Wagner, we've got Rob in Baldwinsville on the line. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Thanks for taking the call. So what's on your mind? What what, do you want to see? Here's what I would like to see. You know how, like, in the NFL preseason, they get their reps they do their base offense, and you don't see a lot of what they're going to do during the regular season. Yep. I think we've got the talent to give Wagner that kind of game. And not really – I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of film for Florida State to look at historically with Dino and with our offense. But show them as little as possible of what they're going to see next week because I feel like the time is ripe for us to take down Florida State as our annual big ACC upset game. Yeah, Rob, I, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that for the most part, they kept it pretty basic in the Western Michigan game. I think they're going to keep it even more basic in this game this weekend. I think that you want to get out of there. I, I said a healthy. I said you want to shake out any lingering rust or cobwebs. And to Rob's point, you want to get out of there without having to show off anything crazy. You you don't want to you don't want to let any secrets out of the bag. Like you want to you want to run the same 10 or 15 plays, right? The same 10 15 concepts. I saw something about uh Arizona State and their game this weekend where they only ran like 10 passing concepts. Like that was it. Like so they they kept it very vanilla. And I I would think that Syracuse would want to keep it very vanilla and very boring and very basic especially with that week three matchup, with Florida State coming in, and we saw them yet uh, over the weekend. We saw them Monday night. Didn't look great. Didn't look great there under Willie Taggart. Things seemed to be off to a slow start. Now, I said yesterday, I want to see what they are. I want to give them another week, but uh, they didn't look good on Monday night, and I, I would be surprised if you hear too much more about them considering they play in FCS school, but... Um, yeah, I think if you're Syracuse, you want to hide as much as you possibly can from Florida State, and that is part of the game plan going into Saturday. So I think really what you want to see, to Rob's point, don't show them anything, stay healthy, and like just go make plays that you're supposed to go make. Offensive line dominate up front. Defensive line dominate up front. Receivers catch the ball. Running backs hit the hole. Like That's what you want out of this game. I'm not getting anything else. I'm not going to find some revelation in this game against Wagner. It's Wagner. It's the FCS. It's a glorified scrimmage. It counts for a win. One of six.
Let's take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation, Seth Goldberg with you. Steve is out today. He'll be back tomorrow here on Orange Nation. We are brought to you by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. BillRapp.com. We'll get to Nate Mank in about 10 minutes or so here on the show. Wanted to get to a couple of tweets and texts. And I thought this one was in- interesting. A text, uh, tweet from Dan Turgeon, at Big Dan Turgeon on Twitter. Uh, says, I think you're seeing the Wagner game wrong. In week one, we saw some flaws. In week two, it's time to work on those flaws. The perfect little, uh, Perfect the little things. Yes, we'll probably win 55 to nothing, but maybe Butler will regain his confidence or our defense uh, might work on missed schemes, etc. I agree on the Butler point. I agree on the Butler point. I think that this is a game that guys who struggled in week one can regain confidence. The thing that I do disagree on is the scheming part. I really do because I think you can go out there and you can look good, right? The defense can look good. They could shut Wagner out. They can hold them down yardage-wise. They can legitimately look good, and they could still be missing schemes. I guess that's my larger point. This is why I don't love this game, because you could go out there and you can make the same mistake that you made last week, but it doesn't show up, right? You can go out there and you can make the same exact mistakes, but that doesn't show up because Wagner's athletes just aren't there, right? Because Scoop Bradshaw, Andre Sisco, Evan Foster, Antoine Cordy are just so far superior athletes to what Wagner is putting out there. Because Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman and Chris Slayton are are dominating up front and cause the quarterback to get off his spot. Whatever it might be, like I, I, I think that's the problem with really trying to evaluate this game. Is when you go and you watch it, on first look, you might say, oh, okay, they look pretty good. On second look, you would probably watch and say, hmm, well, they still miss this coverage and that coverage and... and you know, that that tackle maybe missed that block or, or that running back didn't hit that hole. But it doesn't matter because the score looks great. The yardage numbers look great. The, the ultimate outcome looks fantastic. That's why I don't love this as a second game. As a first game of the season, go for it, right? Go for it. Have it as your first game. Kick off the rust. Uh, you know, play, play some cupcake out of the gate and, and just get your st- season started with a nice, easy win. Build your confidence. And then go into week two with, you know, hey, we played this team. Now we play, you know, maybe some mid-level MAC team. Then you play maybe, you know, the the UConn. And then, you you know, you get to your big conference opponent. That's how I would tend to build a schedule. I know I'm not in charge of these things. But, like, I, I don't love this game in this spot because I, I just, I don't see the growth opportunity. I, I really don't. And just because you can execute your scheme against a bad Wagner team doesn't mean you will the following week when Florida State comes in. Because Cam Akers and DeAndre Francois are far better than anything that Wagner's got on the field. I mean, it won't even be close. 
those guys will be, uh, I mean, moving at warp speed as compared to the guys on Wagner. So that's that's my point. I, I, I'm not saying there's absolutely no benefit to playing Wagner. I'm saying I don't think there's a benefit to playing this game week two. I don't think there's much you're going to get out of it by playing this game week two. Week one, sure. Kick off the rust. It's a preseason game. Glorified scrimmage. This week, meh. I don't know. Doesn't do much for me. Doesn't do much for me as the home opener week two of the season. UConn this week, yeah. I think that would be helpful. I really do. I think UConn would be far more helpful than Wagner. This one just doesn't do much. Let's take a timeout. We'll get to Nate Mink on the other side. We'll ask him about uh, about this Wagner game, what he might get out of it. Also, he wrote a really good piece on Coda Martin and, and come to join his dad and his father-in-law here at Syracuse and, and uh, what went into that. So we'll talk to Nate about all that coming up next on ESPN Radio. Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy. Leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for the Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, but he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on this Wednesday. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for joining us. Here on ESPN Radio, ESPNSyracuse.com, the ESPN app, or maybe on Facebook Live. You can watch us. I'm waving to you. Check it out over on our Facebook page, ESPN Syracuse on Facebook. We will podcast this show later. Put that out on our iTunes feed. If you missed Nate Mink in our number one, check ESPNSyracuse.com and the audio vault. To get that, we go up until 2 o'clock. Stephen Fonte out today. Seth Goldberg with you the entire way. Steve will be back on tomorrow's show. Talked a lot of SU football in hour number one. Talked about that Wagner game and, and kind of what can you and can't you get out of it. Feel free to call in 315-437-7644 or join us by text message 315-288-0644. But I do want to move on because I'm seeing a story and uh, I don't want to say I don't know how I feel about it because I know exactly how I feel about it. But it's a story that I don't I don't want. It's a story that I don't need. It's a story that I, I, I don't I don't fully understand why it's happening, to be quite honest. And that is the Rick Pitino redemption tour. That is the Rick Pitino comeback tour. As he goes to sell a book. Now, to me, Rick Pitino is a is is kind of a, a slimy human being. Like I, I just don't think he's a good person. Great basketball coach, but I, you know, he, he just rubs me the wrong way. Rick Pitino just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Just I I look at him and I 
I just get a, a weird feeling, a weird, uh, a weird vibe coming off of, of Rick Pitino. He obviously got caught up in a in a sex scandal, an extortion scandal. He gets caught up in the strippers thing, where he claims to have no knowledge. He gets caught up in this shoe scandal, where again, he claims to have no knowledge. And part of me looks at him and says, how in the world can you claim not to have knowledge? How in the world could you claim not to have knowledge about some of these things? To come out and so adamantly try and defend yourself that you don't know how your program is recruiting basketball players. Now, if you want to claim that, and that's fine, that's your right, claim that you don't know how your program is is recruiting kids, then you should be fired for negligence. Instead, you are fired because you paid a recruit. But if you claim that you didn't know that, then you probably should have been fired for not knowing what's going on in your program. Right? For not being close enough to the situation in recruiting a five-star high school basketball player. Then, like, maybe you deserve to get fired anyway. And to me, Rick Pitino overstayed his welcome. Rick Pitino got chance after chance and kept making a fool of himself. Kept getting caught up in unsavory situations. And you would think after dodging one bullet, you would say, hey, I got to live my life on the straight and narrow. I got to clean up. I got to make sure everything here is in tip-top shape. But he didn't. And not only did he not do that, but according to him, he hired people who put him right back into messy situations. He hired people who put him right back in the same awful position he was in before. And that's what I don't understand about Rick Pitino. That's why I don't understand this comeback tour. Why does he deserve it? Why does Rick Pitino deserve this redemption tour? He had his chance a decade ago. He had his chance five years ago. He doesn't deserve it now. He doesn't deserve it in September of 2018. Not while he was on his fourth life. Rick Pitino doesn't deserve this. Rick Pitino doesn't deserve to be on my TV in the morning talking about how bad he feels that he can't coach basketball again, how he's been kicked out, how it was a conspiracy brought on him by the governor of Kentucky. Rick Pitino doesn't deserve to be afforded that opportunity. Because he already had been. He already had that chance. And he blew it. Twice. Because he got caught by the NCAA and then couldn't help himself and had to go pay a kid. Rick Pitino does not deserve this redemption tour. So why are we giving it to him? Why are we giving him the light of day? He should go away. We shouldn't be talking to him. Sure, he's got friends. He's been great to the media over the years. Of course he has. Look at him. 
He's a personality. I have no doubt he's going to wind up on ESPN, by the way. No doubt he's going to wind up as an analyst. Because he showed up this morning, talked with Greeny, sat down on a couch. And I couldn't get to my remote fast enough to change the channel. And all of a sudden I was sucked in. By what he was saying. I just wanted to hear. I wanted to hear in the background as I scrolled through Twitter and ate and ate some breakfast. I wanted to hear what he could possibly come up with. And he comes up with this sad line. Oh, I'm done coaching. It was taken away from me. Some NCAA school shouldn't have to answer questions about me just because they want to hire me. They shouldn't have to face that publicly. That school doesn't deserve it. I can't take a job. But I still love it. I'm going to go speak to teams. I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I feel it coming. I feel this coming. He is going to be on TV. That's what he's going to do. He's going to be sitting there talking about basketball. He's going to not knock coaches for doing the same things that he did. And it's quite simply something that Rick Pitino does not deserve. I understand giving people a second chance. I understand looking at Rick Pitino and saying, you know what? He was extorted. Okay, fine. Let's give him another chance. Let's keep him around. Great basketball coach. Whatever. I can't understand looking at Rick Pitino saying, Oh, well, he was extorted. One of his assistants brought strippers into the into the, the, the dorm and, and threw parties. Oh, and he paid a kid a hundred thousand dollars. You know what? That seems like a good guy. He needs he he needs to to have this redemption tour. He deserves it. He should be on our TV shows, he should be on our radio stations. He should be in our, our, our web pages. I, I get it. I I I can't I can't imagine this meeting. I can't imagine these people. Rick Patino is not somebody who deserves our sympathy. Rick Patino is not somebody who deserves to go on television and tell his side of the story after the third mistake in the last decade. He's had his chances. He's had his opportunity. Now just go away. Just go away. But this is what happens in college athletics. It's larger than just Louisville. It's larger than just Rick Pitino. It's a college athletics thing. And we talked about this a lot with Urban Meyer. We talked about this a lot with DJ Durkin at Maryland. But there are certain coaches that get put on a pedestal. There are certain coaches that no matter what can do no wrong. It's why Urban Meyer didn't get fired. There are certain coaches that are that are just in this space. That no matter what they do, they're safe. And yes, Rick Pitino lost his job. And yeah, to people like me, Rick Pitino's a scumbag and a terrible person. But he's still getting this chance to fix his reputation. 
He's still getting this opportunity to go on TV and speak his side of the story. And that's because he was put on that pedestal as a coach. That's because he took all those teams to Final Fours. Because he won titles at Louisville and at Kentucky. That's why he gets that opportunity. And I just don't think it's a... I don't think that's a good enough reason. He's made so many mistakes and had so many missteps that Rick Pitino is not somebody that we should be pushing out there. Rick Pitino is not somebody that we should be fighting for. And yet here we are. Because he's got a book. And it's an easy interview. So Rick Pitino is making the the rounds. Count me out. Changing my radio dial. Changing my TV channel. Not clicking on that link. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm over it. I need Rick Pitino to go away. He's not somebody who deserves my sympathy. That's for sure. We're back after this.